This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. All right, let's take a dive now into some of the guys at the minor league level really quickly who are of interest this week. And we got to start, as always, with Cade Cavalli, who is coming off of yet another good start at AAA Rochester. This is what he does. He just strings these outings together at this point. His season ERA is now very solid at 3.7 after a really slow start. 20 starts in this year, 97 innings, 104 strikeouts. His last start, he was not economical or efficient. He threw almost 110 pitches in five-plus innings of work. But as he threw those five innings in Rochester, two hits, one run, he struck out eight. Again, he had another start in this stretch where he wasn't giving up runs. You can go back now, 40 innings for Cade Cavalli, and his ERA is barely over one at the AAA level. And again, it's 20 starts this year. He had plenty of starts there last year. He's creeping up on 30 starts in AAA. I have to imagine, and I've been wrong incessantly on this. I've been wrong four or five predictions now this season. I'm going to try one more time. They come back home for a homestand after this little road trip that they've got, and they play two terrible teams, the Reds and the A's, I believe. Kate Cavalli will debut on this homestand. That is my prediction. This is completely speculative. I'm the same guy who has guessed that he was going to debut three or four times already this year. I'm the same guy who would have had him in the big leagues three months ago. But I would be very, very surprised if he didn't debut on this homestand. I have been trying very hard whenever I think about it as to why he's not in the major leagues for a team that's going to lose 115 games or or something close to that. The best I can come up with is that they are trying very hard to control his innings and the 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 the, the sort of the flimsy metrics for what they're saying that he's working on or or whatever. Okay. Uh, we're going to be more pitch efficient. There's no reason right now why he can't do that at the major league level, right? With with the best coaches, with the best experience, at least give him a taste. Maybe they're waiting for the 1st of September for the, the small roster expansion that, that that happens. I don't know. It's But it's been kind of baffling watching Anibal Sanchez, you know, get through four and a third. Paolo Espino, though, he threw well the other day, you know, trotting out there, taking the ball. Like, you've got to go to a six-man rotation. If you've got to, whatever you've got to do, this is a puzzling thing right here where they seem to be taking their sweet time. I get that, but he's been good enough, as you said, for well over a month, two months, three months now. Uh, that just, and we haven't seen him at the major league level. It is a really strange situation. Uh, I understand if you were in a pennant race, I understand if you, you know, closing on 100 wins and home field advantage, they're the exact opposite of that with the worst record in baseball. Feels like it's time to see him. And, you know, you and I have both been wrong here for the last however many weeks and months uh, that it's been time for him to come up and that he would come up. We just haven't seen it yet, and I'm I'm kind of out of explanations. Yeah, I mean, there's a debate to be had as to whether or not manipulating service time is smart to do anyway. But it's irrelevant when it comes to Cavalli at this point because that's not what's happening. Calling him up now, you don't lose a year of service time. That ship has sailed. Now, what you're seeing some of the uh, – blogs and, and uh, folks who do a good job covering the, the Nationals minor league system in the, the Nats Twitter sphere talk about is this idea that if you call him up before the end of the season and he loses his rookie of the year eligibility next year, 
that they would miss the chance of him finishing top three in rookie of the year balloting next year. And remember, there's a new reward if you have a top rookie of the year vote getter where if your guy is the rookie of the year finalist, you can get draft pick compensation now. And so the idea is you hold him down to make sure that you don't lose out on that possibility. That's also absurd to me. Number one, pitchers rarely get that kind of love if they're not winning games. And this team will not be good next year and he won't be winning games. It shouldn't work that way. Wins and losses are ridiculous. But if if you're seven and fourteen as a rookie, or you're, you know, five and ten as a rookie, which is the kind of year you have on a bad team when you're a mid or, you know, fourth type starter, which is normally how rookies pitch. You better have a 12 strikeout per nine rate. You, you better be electrifying. For him to be as good as he would have to be to be top three, even on a good team, is unlikely, let alone on a bad team. So I think that's so absurd and so ridiculous, it also shouldn't be a factor. It's as good an idea as I've heard, because none of the ideas make sense. We're just playing Argo here. We're all trying to come up with the best of some bad ideas. But the bottom line is, he's the Nats keep saying he's not ready. And by the definition, I would say, of... Uh, is he going to be great every start when he gets to the big leagues? It, that means he's ready. Well, then, no, he's not ready. You know who else isn't ready is Anibal Sanchez, Paolo Espino. None of your starters, none of them are any good. None of them get deep into starts. You haven't had a guy win a game in, in 39 games. You know, Cavalli could come out in his first outing and throw six innings of two-run ball. He might also throw a lot of pitches and walk five guys and be out in the fourth. So what? Guess what? He'll wake up the next day and he'll go over the film with adults and Five days later, he'll be back on the hill learning. So it's time. It's been time. And I hope he gets his shot. Just comparing him to last year when he was, you know, everybody's flavor of the season and everyone fell in love with him and and he was a can't-miss guy. Uh, His ERA is very similar now. 3.3 last year, 3.7 this year uh, in fewer innings. But if you look at some of the the numbers, last year his whip was 1.2. This year it's 1.1. It's better. Last year his hits per nine were seven per nine. This year it's identical. All of that action in AAA. Last year he pitched at A-plus and at AA. So having the same hit rate is actually an improvement. Better competition. His home run rate is down. His walk rate is down. So is his strikeout rate. I mean, everything other than his strikeout rate is better now in AAA than a year ago. It's been a very normal, thorough process. But the Nationals are more conservative at the pace with which they move their pitchers along than almost any other team. And it's long annoyed me and bothered me, but uh, this one particularly is starting to grind my gears a little bit. Selfishly, just because I I think it would be nice for Nats fans to see this guy in the big leagues. And I think it would not only not do any damage to his development, I think it would be good for him at this point to get called up. So uh, a couple things that I want to say. His AAA numbers last year versus this year, night and day. I mean, his overall 2021 numbers that you touched on correctly, and, and that's where they are, his AAA numbers were, you know, okay and sort of leveled out but in a full season he's doing what he did at multiple levels where he was just frankly better than the level right so that's one thing they take their time sometimes right like they do this thing where they they took their time with Cabra Ruiz who should have been in the big leagues last year he was here in the minors for a couple of weeks they the only reason they called up CJ Abrams was Luis Garcia popped a groin you know and and you just sort of don't again. I, I kind of don't get it, but they'd have no problem throwing Evan Neal and Jackson Tetro and and you know a million other guys that aren't. They, well, they, those, but those guys don't matter as much to them. No, I know they don't. But they you you could throw Yohan Adone out there for for, for a, that part, yeah, fifteen yeah. starts. You know what I mean? It just 
for whatever reason, for the prized guy, and, and listen, they, they know their guys certainly better than you and I do, and it's easy for me to sit in this armchair comfortably and, and, and criticize, but you know, you got to know the person. Like, does somebody need to, to to dominate at a certain level and only experience success? Is that the way you get the most out of them? Does some can somebody just wear it at the big league level and, and learn a lesson and bounce back? You know, are, are you built like Mike Trout? Are you built like I don't know, whitey, uh, a whiny pouty Danny Ruye? I mean, I have no idea. So maybe there's something to that, but I got to imagine from his perspective, he's kind of looking at his watch, going, "What else do I have to do here?" You know, like it, it's been time. I, every, every start down here, I'm wasting bullets on these on AAA Timmies, on you know, on, on a bunch of guys like Joey Manessis that are that are hanging on to to being four A players. It's time for me to get outs in the show. It's just again hard for 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 me to understand, and I imagine it's probably getting to the point it's hard for him to understand too. Elijah Green, who is one of the top prospects in the system, was drafted fifth overall this summer. Hit a home run in his first game. Hasn't homered since, but he is now eleven for forty at the plate. So. Uh, he has already accumulated about 50 plate appearances and right around 40 at-bats. The 18-year-old in 12 games in the FCL and rookie ball uh, has uh, – I, I said he hadn't homered yet. He, he's homered a uh, second time since that first game. But he's at two home runs, nine RBI, hitting 300, uh, 939 OPS. What is alarming to me and will continue to be, and the reason why I am – Skeptical of Elijah Green is not the right word because I see why they drafted him. It's a massive ceiling, superstar potential, tools out the wazoo. It's just the type of prospect that I am leery of and nervous about when you swing and miss as much as he does in high school and strike out as much as he did. Even though IMG Academy, they're effectively playing like a a college-type competition and schedule. But he has 21 strikeouts and 43 at-bats. Yep. 21 strikeouts and 43 at-bats. Now, he is hitting 300. So if you want to just say, well, he's hitting 300, and he's got two homers and four doubles, and he's you know slugging 535, which is massive, and he's got a 940 OPS. Like, all those numbers are upper echelon. They're great. You can ignore the strikeouts if you want to. But I, I just caution you, this is the FCL, right? I mean, this is rookie ball. I'd be curious in Fredericksburg, what does that strikeout rate look like? And, and we'll see it next year at 19 years old, obviously. But he's just going to have to make a swing adjustment to some extent to make more contact because it's it's pretty unsustainable to strike out at a massive rate and hit for average and have all the other things happen that he wants. It, it, I would think he's going to hit a lot of home runs, and he's going to draw walks. And he's done a good job at that, by the way. He's got six walks uh, in his first 40 at-bats or so, and he's got 6 and 12 games. So you extrapolate that out over a season, what that would look like. Frankly, you know, I'm not even sure that it's worth monitoring all the numbers just yet. It's probably unfair to him because it's his first 12 games of pro ball, and it's you know it's silly even to talk about it as much as I am statistically. Yeah, you're trying to hit like a nine-run home run to impress everybody totally. your first week. Yeah. But my point is just this, is, this swing's going to take some time, I think, and there, he's going to strike out a lot. Eventually at the big league level, but on the way as well. And you hope there's enough power and enough walks drawn that the rest of it works out. Yeah. I, I Listen, I haven't seen a lot, obviously. How, how could I have? I wasn't watching IMG games on television. And I, Why not? I, I, I can't see the Florida Coast League um, you know, all too often. But, you know, those numbers are kind of your telltale, right? Because there's plenty of good. You see the excitement. You see the, 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 the pop. You see the bat-to-ball. Uh, when it's right, but you also see the holes in the swing, and 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 it doesn't get any easier as you kind of go up in, in certain levels. So you're right. I mean, you're hoping maybe there's um, a James Wood like adjustment that's that's coming in the not too distant future. But again, you, you get him into a pro system, and 
you know, you, you sort of have to work those things. So you're right. Those That's what jumps out at you right away. I want to check back in a month, right? I want to check back at kind of towards the end of September and see, did those strikeout numbers kind of level out as he adjusted the competition a little bit? My guess is they probably won't because it's such a small sprint sort of sample of a season, but I'll be curious to see if, if he makes the adjustment at each level. Yeah, speaking of James Wood, he had some of the same concerns at IMG Academy, which is why there are some comps, another huge guy, you know, great athlete, massive ceiling, power hitting uh, type, and he's striking out only 20% of the time this year. Has an identical strikeout rate to a guy who's seen as kind of a much surer offensive thing in Robert Hassel, who's a contact you know, with a little bit of power type, whereas James Wood has 12 home runs and, and and couples that with 23 doubles. You know, him and Hassel this year are pretty similar power numbers, actually. But the projection for James Wood ultimately is is a lot more pop. And, you know, among the minor leaguers in the Nats system, if you look at their top prospects, James Wood hitting 322 this year, you know, far and away the best batting average of their regulars. Um, Jared McKenzie, who's only got 25 plate appearances in A-balls, is hitting 375. And Trey Lipscomb, who's been at Fredericksburg and has uh, 38 plate appearances, the 22-year-old third-round pick out of Tennessee, is hitting 315. But James Woods, 322 among their minor league regulars. He's the only guy over 300 this year. Uh, Royce Mark Quintana and, and Jeremy De La Rosa, 294, 286 respectively. Brady House, 278, and everyone else is below that now. Uh, Robert Hassel has dipped all the way down to 277 for the season because he's really struggled since coming over. Not worried about him at all. I, I feel really, really, really good about Hassel. But in his two stops in A plus and in double A, uh, he is a combined ten for sixty at the plate right now since being acquired by the Nationals, and that's without a home run uh, and just four RBI in fifteen games. Really struggled at the double A level uh, too. I think he's like two for something. Uh, if if memory two for serves, looking to at start yeah, in there, the you Eastern go. League. But yeah, uh, to to your point again, this this is all adjustments. I mean, we 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 to us we hear levels. We'll hear A ball, double A, triple A, and the, those are just letters, and it just sort of it's it's other, it's a way we don't really see it. But you know, for a kid on his way up, it's a major adjustment. You know, you go from playing against guys that were of similar age to you in college. You know, I don't know if all those guys are college players, but they would you'd be playing against 20, 21, 22 year old dudes. Double A players are men. Those are grownups, you know. It's a, a you know, the, you you meet your wife and kids at the ballpark, and and you know you're then the same kind of same thing at AAA. Those are grownups all of a sudden, you know, and there's there's violent shoves up. So it's one of those things where yeah, adjustments absolutely have to happen. That's what this game really is all about. But to but to Wood, listen, I, I've seen the highlights like everyone else has. You know, when when they when that's development posts a, a couple things on Twitter. There's a smoothness to his swing. There's a when you. You know, uh, when you're away from me, I'll just sort of flick my wrists. I don't have to do, be overly complicated, take my base hit to left. And when you try to come in pull side, I will open up and do some extensive damage. He had an absolute tank the other night that was about 108 miles an hour off the bat. And you just you, you, you drool over the possibility of what he could become. If he's able to kind of make that pull side tank swing translate middle and, and kind of left center the way Juan Soto has – Obviously, that's once in a generation, but get some of those things. We're not just sort of taking a little base hit, little dump it in front of the left fielder, where you're able to then drive the ball that way consistently. This could be a superstar at the major league level. One of the hardest things to learn in sports, but you could see the natural ability. So I had said, remember, I said he hit his first home run in his first game talking of Elijah Green. And I said he hasn't homered yet since. And then I looked at his numbers. I said, oh, he has homered. He's got two homers. And I'm thinking, when the heck did I miss that? Well, they're playing right now. 
and he homered today. Oh, on so cue, right in your eyepiece, Grant. Elijah Green's second home run was, so that's why I was confused. Atta, baby. So he's actually two for three. He's got a double and a homer today. Um, with uh, So forget walk. everything we said. He's good to go. Exactly. Two for three with a homer, a double, and a walk. So good game for him today in the uh, FCL where the Nats are 33-22 and 22 this year. And he's playing in a lineup with uh, some of their other good prospects in their top 20-plus in their system. Brenner Cox, Armando Cruz, Elijah Green, Royce Mark Quintana, all hitting at the top of the order in the, the top four spots today. Um, pretty exciting lineup there. The only other team in action as we're taping is the uh, Dominican Summer League Nationals team, uh, where Christian Vaquero is their only real prospect. Uh, he's one for three so far today, hitting 256 without power. But another guy who's you know an exciting prospect who hopefully next year will be um, stateside and, and in Fredericksburg uh, helping out the Nats. So there you go, a quick dive into the minor league system for the Nationals. With that, I think we got to say goodbye for now, Danny. It is time to move along and get ready for the Nats to take on the Seattle Mariners. They got a couple of games coming up, so we hope you guys enjoy those. And we'll be back at it next week. One thing of note, now again, we're finding enjoyment wherever we can with with the Nationals. If you're a a sports road trip type person, Seattle's a sneaky good place to go watch a game. That stadium's pretty nice. The town of Seattle itself, it's got kind of everything you want. It's like a cliff notes for American geography. It's got some lake. It's got some beach. It's got some mountains. Uh, Usually the weather's pretty decent. You know, maybe give an occasional cloudy sprinkle rain there. But that's a good place to see a ball game. With that in mind, so long from the Bust and Loose baseball crew for producer Darius and Danny. I'm Grant saying we're back at it on Thursday. Remember, every episode of Bust and Loose Baseball is available wherever you get your podcast. Apple, iTunes, Spotify. Download us, subscribe, leave a nice comment, and we're uh, we have no shame. We'll read it on the podcast. We have a very low threshold. If you're nice to us, we give you attention. It's a good transaction. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again on Thursday on Bustin' Loose Baseball.